Control what you can. Cope with the rest. And just remember, the only thing you can really control is you. Well, hello, everyone. You're back on the Faculty Factory podcast with Kim Skorupski and the whole community around faculty affairs and faculty development. Today on our reunion series, we have Dr. George Everly. Hi, George. Good morning, Kim. Well, thank you so much for coming back. Those of you who are perhaps new to the Faculty Factory podcast, Dr. George Everly has an episode that you might want to look back on. It'll be posted on the website. Episode number 101, which was right around holiday time in 2020. And Dr. Everly talked about two of his recent books that were so timely. Um, One is Crisis Leadership and the other was Unforgettable. And so I just wanted to maybe just pause and let Dr. Everly introduce yourself. Well, first of all, thanks for having me back. I spend time at the Bloomberg School of Public Health and also in the School of Medicine. Um, My focus started out in my career in psychological trauma. And as evidence, I'm not the smartest guy around. It took me 20 years to figure out maybe what I should be studying is resilience. And I think that we have typically, in both medicine and public health, we have underestimated, not all of us, but many of us, the role of mental health in what makes a strong and resilient society. Mental health is an intrinsic thread that that provides the horsepower to society. And when mental health is threatened, as it has been through this relentless, up to this point, relentless pandemic, uh, we begin to see the foundations of society itself threatened. Uh, The worst thing we can do is sit back and do nothing. The worst thing we can do, Kim, is to become a victim to this process. It's bad. Absolutely. This, as I might have mentioned in the previous podcast, this is my third pandemic up close and personal. I studied the first uh, in Hong Kong, the second in Singapore, and now this one at home. So when you asked me to come on, and I thank you, I, I thought, what what can I bring? What can I contribute over? What, what, what have I learned, perhaps, in the last year that I can just pass along? And not that one size fits all, and there's no one quick fix either. I, I thought I'd reflect on some some thoughts that I actually put together for an article for Worth Magazine, and it's called Masters of Adversity, Learning from the Best on Coping with the Worst. So what, what have we learned? What, what have I seen? And again, this is one person's observation, but what have I seen not only in the last two years, but the last 39 years or 40 years or so? And not only studying bad things, but taking a look at what people do to not only bounce back, Kim, but perhaps spring forward. Is it really possible that from the ashes of the phoenix, something bigger, better, bolder can emerge? And and I think they can. So what are some of those tips? What what have I learned from the, the what I call the masters of adversity? They first and foremost, I believe, have an attitude of resilience. That's not enough. I mean, that, that's pithy. What does that really mean? To me, that means that they understand, um, forgive the triteness, but they understand life is a journey. 
I mean, it really, really is a journey. And if we set life up as destination points, whether they are good things or bad things, they will define us. If we understand that life is a process, these things will never define us. They will simply be milestones. We cannot allow a pandemic to define us. We must see it as one point on this marathon of life. So the first thing that I think those masters of adversity saw and understood was this is a process. And sometimes, albeit painful, it is the opportunity to not only bounce back, but to spring forward. How do they do that? Second point, they have a vision. And that vision is of tomorrow. That vision is of a tomorrow that can be better than today. They believe that that vision is more than just this ethereal construction, but rather it can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. And as I know you're aware, Kim, the science of self-fulfilling prophecy is, is really quite amazing. The notion goes back to the sociologist's Uh, the Thomas theorem, and then Robert Merton, who basically said, as you believe, so the likelihood of that action coming true is enhanced. And we, we also know that the more you think about something, the better you become at it. So if you think about worry, if that's, if that's what you do, the more you worry, the better you become at it. What, the masters of adversity do is see the vision. And the more they think about a better tomorrow, the closer they become to that reality, if that makes any sense. George, this makes so much sense. And I, and I forgive me, but I just want to like jump through this Zoom screen and just grab you and just, just everybody knows on the podcast, I can't help but like keep my mouth shut. I have a sticky note that says, wait, why am I talking? But I can't help it because I'm a sociologist by training, my BA, my MA, my PhD. And so when you say Thomas Merton, I'm like, yay. As men define situations, they are real and their consequences. And I imagine as women define situations as real, they become real and their consequences. And everything you're saying is, is so spot on. And yes, we, we see this idea of a vision you know, what we think about we are and the whole, even if it's biblical, you know, our thoughts belie our, our beliefs, our thoughts, our actions, our behaviors, and our destiny and our, our character, our destiny, the whole line of thinking. And can we, can I ask you to think of some concrete ways that faculty members listening to this podcast right now saying, well, yeah, attitude of resilience, number one, check. I'm working on it. It's tough, but I get it. Yeah, mindfulness, I'm doing yoga. I'm trying to be as resilient as I can. Number two, vision. My vision is cloudy, George. How, how do these people have a vision that is clear? And what, what happens when someone has a vision and all of a sudden that vision goes poof or chunks of that vision start falling off? What can we do to, to recreate the vision, to repair a vision? to make that vision more um, crisp? Because I see a lot of faculty members going, well, I had a vision. I thought I had a vision and now I'm here. And now everything's all cattywampus. What can we do about, if we can pause just a moment, if I can you know, beg you to just go a little bit deeper to say, 
don't panic if you don't have a clear, crystal clear vision right now or it's changed. What do we do? I'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, greatly, greatly uh, stated because things don't always go according to plan. And I think that's what you're saying. So what happens when the train goes off the rails? Sometimes, Kim, we have to help the train get back on the rails. So what do we understand? We understand the power of tenacity. Maybe one of the single best predict. well, yeah, maybe one of the single best predictors of happiness and success in life. Those who give up never know how, how close they came. I am reminded of the great 20s film star, Mary Pickford, you know, the biggest star of her era. And then she gets blindsided by the talkies and basically puts her out of a job. Um, she, however, rather than get back on the track, decided to build a new railroad. So she got together with her husband, Douglas Fairbanks, who was the leading male star of the era, and some others, and they formed the first film production company owned by actors. And that company was called, and is today, United Artists. Oh, my gosh. But she said something interesting. She said, this thing we call failure doesn't happen until you stop trying. Go back to my notion earlier about the journey. We have a vision. I have a vision. You have a vision. And you've said, but, and you know others whose visions have become clouded or disrupted or no longer viable. Well, Part of understanding the journey part of the vision is that sometimes the vision has to change Mm, mm. because no one is 100% prescient. No one can see the future. No one can say, if I do this, 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 and this, then the finality is guaranteed. So I remembered, of course, Robert J. Lifton, his famous book on the survivors of Hiroshima, his lesser known book was Proteus. And he, he took the title and the theme from the Greek myth of Proteus, who was a shapeshifter. He fit his shape to the demands of the time. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's just pause there. That is genius. Shapeshifting. Because we talked at Hopkins, and I know around the globe, about being able to pivot and to recalibrate. We know so many clinicians and healthcare providers had to shift their efforts. I mean, their lives were like living in the hospital, taking care of patients. Their research went way, way, way in the back, back, back burner. And some people on this shape-shifting concept, they couldn't go into their labs. They couldn't do their experiments. So they had to pivot to writing papers and staying home and seizing and desisting the, the, the trials and the, the whatever happening in the lab and move here or move there. So this is, to me, really, really profound concept, Proteus, the shape-shifting, how to, but there's probably some boundaries around that too, because you, I'm now I'm thinking about the people who chase the money and like, oh, there's a grant about that, let me go there. So there's got to be some guardrails around that shape-shifting, right? Well, I, I think we have to be careful to understand who's in control. 
are we chasing the money and surrendering our lives to some external force? I mean, I understand we have to, we have to be funded. I, I get it. But we never want to surrender who we are to what we want to be. Say that again. We never want to surrender who we are to what we want to be. Mm. I just made that up. I love it. <laughs> so tomorrow you'll see it at a Hallmark store. So if that is true, it allows us to change who we are to fit the situation. Mm. And that is consonant with the journey construct. You're always moving. You hit something that some would call a failure. I simply call a point on the journey. The only failure, according to Mary Pickford, is when you stop trying. Mm. How about if we hit that brick wall and we start advancing in another direction? Sometimes we advance in the opposite direction because that is the direction we should have been heading in the first place. But we always keep moving. There simply is no such thing, Kim, as failure. It, it just doesn't exist. And now, now I'm going to go real simple. Um, I was going to say old school, but it's not old school. But maybe to some people it is. That movie about Nemo, the little fish. I can't Maybe it's called Nemo. I can't remember. I think it's called Nemo. The little clownfish. But he's got a really silly friend. And she's a blue clownfish or whatever she is, a sunfish. Her name is Dory. And one of her lines, and it it's, was voiced by Ellen DeGeneres. And one of her lines in that movie is, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. And all these horrible <laughs> things were happening. And she was, just keep swimming. Yes. And that's what you're making me think. Because, of course, simplistically, most recently in the popular press, we heard about Tiger Woods having, after his whatever, how many accidents now, and he could have lost his leg. And here he is back in the golf course with his son. So here's an example of someone who... Fail, 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 horrible crisis, trauma, drama. I might as well, this is maybe the universe telling me I ought to give it up and stop doing this. But no, he kept, he held the line and stayed true to that. And I'm sure there are many other, as you just said, Mary Pickford and other people who say, well, my my moment in time is done here and I shall now shift my lens or adjust my focus to go there. And I think what you're saying is so, so valuable for academic medicine faculty who maybe are intent on careerism that I must get the next promotion title. I must go from instructor to assistant professor to associate professor to full tenured professor to assistant dean, associate dean, up the ladder. And you're right. When we focus on those end points, if that doesn't happen, if the marriage fails, if you get fired from the job, if you lose the house that you bid on, whatever, 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 you could be destroyed versus saying, oh, Kim Skrupski here. I always thought I'd be an NIH funded researcher my entire life in gerontology and sociology. Eh, didn't happen. I didn't get the ROs. And here I am, you know, in the, the dream job doing faculty development at Johns Hopkins. I never in a million years would have fixed this, but I could have, I could have stayed on that track. And at some point I realized. This is not meant to be. And so I looked somewhere else. So I think these, these lessons you're giving us are just profound. I'm sorry. Keep going. <laughs> no, I, no, thank you. I think you're adding uh, some life to, to some of the things I'm saying. 
So I, I again, I think it's it's the the most important thing I ever learned, and, and I learned it from my father, who was a finance guy, not a psychologist, psychiatrist, public health scholar. It, but he he understood the journey of life and that the journey never stops until you draw your last breath. And for some, it doesn't even end there. This is it. I'm so um, struck by this. Don't surrender who you are to what you want to be. We, you, if we have nothing else in life, you will always have you. You are always this, the, 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 um, uh, as we draw our last breath, George, you know, the, our CV will not be sitting on our nightstand and our books and our manuscripts piled around our, our, our head and our, our colleagues and mentors and students and trainees, awards, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's, you are essentially you, you, they can take everything, anything can be taken from us, but the essence of who we are is, is that, that's it. And that's so much potential. And um, wow, I'm so excited. I love talking to you. Well, you said there are two things. So before, I, I'm not sure if we want to end here, if you had something else, you said there are at least two things of these masters of adversity and learning um, from the best attitude of resilience and a vision. But I, I, I do want to, I'm going to say one thing and then I'm going to leave it for Dr. George Everly to um, piece us out here. But I love this concept of Proteus, the shape shifting. Think about wow, how can we as faculty members and leaders, can we do a little bit of shape-shifting and explore our shape-shiftability? I want us to remember that we're never going to surrender who we are to what we want to be. And I want you to get in touch with Dr. George Everly to get in, just you know have a personal one-on-one with him. And his email address is geverly, E-V-E-R-L-Y, number one. So it's geverly1 at jhmi.edu. I'll say that again, G-E-V-E-R-L-Y-1 at jhmi.edu. You'll see all this information, all the way to get hold of Dr. George Everly on facultyfactory.org. I promise you, I'm going to be quiet and I'll let George have the last party comments and to say goodbye. Well, just again, thank you for uh, for having me on the uh, the podcast, Kim. And it's, uh, it's always a pleasure. These are challenging times. We we cannot surrender our happiness, our well-being, our careers to something that cares nothing about us. We have to take what power, what control we have uh, over our lives. We have to take it back. The COVID is, you've heard it, it's trite, a marathon, not a sprint. Okay, we need to make that adjustment. But let's not sit in the back seat. We need to be in the driver's seat. And you never know. There may be opportunities out there that we never would have realized had adversity not come into our lives. Marcus Aurelius, the famous Roman emperor and Stoic philosopher, basically said, Control what you can, cope with the rest. And just remember, the only thing you can really control is you. 
Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. The mission of the Faculty Factory is to build and support a community of leaders in faculty development who share tools, resources, wisdom, and encouragement in service to our faculty members, schools, and institutions. We encourage you to go to facultyfactory.org to find out more, get in touch with me, ask me any questions. Maybe you want to be interviewed on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. We'll see you next time. The Faculty Factory Podcast and website is sponsored by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine Office of Faculty. For more information, visit facultyfactory.org.